Guys, we brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering you damn good beef. Hassel Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassel Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the U.S. of A. and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassel Cattle uh, offers Wagyu smoked sausages. Those are amazing. New York Strip, also amazing. Beef bacon, really amazing. Wagyu Franks, two jerky flavors, and uh, their original sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, but the country loves their beef. These guys are registered bulls and breeds them Angus cows, giving that very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics. So check them out, HasselCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. And use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. You can transfer in and out of MSU Denver uh, painlessly uh, when they have high quality education to help you have a better future. MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other Colorado institution. So you can keep that full-time job while you do your education, further that education, get a better job later, get a get a better degree, uh, and set yourself up for the future. So check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. My boys, what's up? Happy first day of post-John Elway as the GM. Yeah, uh, crazy, crazy day in Broncos country yesterday, uh, and no one saw it coming. That's the craziest part to me is that, you know, uh, as far as I know, Usually I hear the rumblings. I didn't hear any rumblings about this. Um, so maybe maybe I was just uh, uh, unplugged. But uh, it, this was really quiet. Um, and I think that kind of shows you um, that John Elway wasn't 100% sure on what he wanted to do on this for a while, which is why it, you know, it, it wasn't leaking out. But uh it, just a crazy day yesterday and, and of course we did the emergency podcast uh, but then we had a long time uh to talk to John Elway about this decision so I wanted to start there with you guys just Mace what were your some of your takeaways uh from John Elway meeting with the media well first of all just kind of talking about how they kept this a secret according to Mike Kliss's story he talked with Matt Russell they didn't talk about it until during the Ohio State Clemson game now, the story is interesting. It says Saturday, but that game was Friday. And so if Matt Russell didn't know about it till then, that shows you it was a limited core of people 
that knew about this uh, before before the weekend, and I think that's why they were able to keep a lid on it. But uh, the things that that sort of that sort of jump out is uh, first of all, whatever this arrangement is going to be, however much John Elway is going to be around, uh, it doesn't feel like it's going to last very long. Hmm. This it seems to me like this is a one-year thing because he has one more year left on his contract. So you give him the president title while he's still got another year of, of big money coming in. And yeah, maybe he could stay around as some kind of senior consultant or something like that. But uh, you get the feeling that it's even though Elway's shadow is still going to loom to some degree, certainly not the way it did when he, when he retired from playing, that – He's probably going to step away from the from the most part and uh, and let the new GM do their thing, and mainly because I think John wants to experience different aspects of life. Talked about being a grandfather. Talked you know uh, talked about his his age. You referred back to that multiple times. I think this is just a a lifestyle change. It's reflecting on what he accomplished and basically realizing okay I've you know, been a GM, I've been a player, I've even been a president of an arena league team, and I climbed the mountain and hit the peak every single time. What's the point of chasing more? It's time to live, it's time to live my life. Yeah, and that's my biggest takeaway from talking to John yesterday, guys, is that he really is going to take a big step back. And this is the sweetest gig that you can get being the president of football operations for a team. Bring in your own GM that you get to have an input on hiring. And then, hey, whether you're in the building and a big decision's coming down, whether you're on the golf course, whether you're hanging out with your seventh grandchild that was just born yesterday, they'll give you a call. And, and then you can say, oh, yeah, you should hire this guy. You should sign this guy. Uh, I don't think you should do that. And then also, then everything's not on his shoulders. And not just in the building when it comes to work, but all the blame isn't on his shoulders. And he's had a lot of that these past five years. And he should be. Yesterday, he said he's proud of what he's done as GM with the Broncos. He should be. He, he should be proud of what he's done with the Denver Broncos organization. And now he gets to take a step back and really have the best job in the world. Yeah, uh, this is a good gig for him. Um, Mace, you mentioned he gets to collect the last uh, year uh, of that salary, which is, uh, I think, the best part of the gig. Um, and I also, that was my biggest takeaway. You know, when this news first came down, I think everyone's first reaction is, okay, yeah, but this isn't going to change anything. You know, it'll just be a figurehead who comes in to be the GM while John Elway pulls the strings. After yesterday I, and talking to John Elway, my opinion completely changed. And of course he said that because that's the message they want out there, but it's about whether or not you believe him. Uh, and I actually did. I believed uh, everything he had to say about wanting to step away from the day-to-day -day roles. Um, you know, what really stood out to me is he was asked, what are you going to miss about the day-to-day -day grind? Uh, and before stopping himself, he was going to say nothing. <laughs> uh, at least that's what I thought he was going to say. Um, he kind of grabbed himself there and said, well, I guess I'll have to wait and find out when I'm not doing it, uh, what I miss. Um, but, it, you know, he laughed at the question because I just think right now he doesn't like the day-to-day -day grind. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. He's 60 years old. He has been – football has been a part of his life 
every single day for God knows how many years now. Um, and, you know, over 40, 50, probably 50 years, it's been a part of his day every life, a part of his life every day. And, and, and so I think it is uh, understandable for him to want to step away a little bit. The losing has to take a real tax uh, mm-hmm. on a competitor like that. And um, I do think he'll want to be involved, and I think he'll want to be involved long term. I just think the, the amount of work that he does and the role that he um, holds will just keep getting smaller. I think you'll get him uh, being, you know, in this president role for next year. And then I think, you know, you said the word senior consultant. I think John Elway, uh, I think it would be important for him mm-hmm. that if the Broncos win a Super Bowl in the next five, ten years that he can still say, you know, he was involved in one way or another. Um, and he can say his fingerprints are on every Lombardi trophy in the building. I think that's something that's important to him. But I don't think he's going to be um, – involved day to day in fact i don't expect him to even be at broncos headquarters very often at all yeah i don't either i think it may be something where he misses game day and remember how years ago peyton manning talked about he was going to miss the flights home after wins when he retired from playing he i think he'll miss stuff like that he'll miss the camaraderie and it's kind of appropriate in some ways that matt russell is going out at the same time as he is, because I think one of the things that he'll miss is having a right-hand man who was such a good friend, uh, someone that not only he could uh, you know, talk about players and talk and work with, but also just uh, enjoy a dinner with. I don't think that's going to go away. And I think he'll miss the thrill of the chase in free agency. You know, that feeling that, yeah, you know, we wanted this guy. We got him, you know, be reeling in the big fish. I think he'll miss that feeling. And, I think he'll uh, he'll miss the thrill of the draft. But the thing is, really in the big fish, he can still be involved with that as things uh, get back to normal post-COVID. I, I don't think we're going to be always doing uh, this everything uh, uh, virtually. So I think John, I think there's a big free agent. You may, you know, whoever the GM is, may pick up the phone and say, "John, hey, you want to help us close this thing? You want to?" And I'm sure he'll say. Hey, happy to do it. Love to. Um, on draft day, uh, if he's around the building, hey, you you got a thought on uh, this quarterback, this pass rusher? Yeah, sure, love to. I mean, I can't think kind of the best case scenario, which would be really cool, is if he over time transitions into a role that Bud Grant has had in Minnesota now for most of the last 35 years. You know, Bud literally still has an office at Vikings headquarters. He pops in from time to time, but when good things happen, he's still around. If the Vikings had won a Super Bowl, he would have gotten a ring. Uh, you still get the you still get all the gear every year. You still you still get all the perks and all that. And you're just you're there as a as a sounding board. And if John transitioned to that sort of role long term and was like that, you guys have 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 seen like professor emeritus at colleges mm-hmm. you know they're 85 88 years old but they still have an office and people still kind of ask for their opinion but they don't have to teach a class every day that's the sort of thing i could see elway kind of kind of easing into for the long haul and some of that may depend on who the owner is but if it worked out that way that'd be pretty cool 
Oh, yeah. I think I think that's exact. I mean, I think what you guys are describing right now is what John Elway's role is going to be this year. I mean, he's not going to have any day to day. I think he's going to love stepping back and then being there for the draft and then reeling in the big fish in free agency. That's what he gets this year. And he gets a pretty good paycheck that comes with it. So maybe after this year, he's no longer the president of football operations and it is a senior consultant role. But I think John Elway, no matter who the owner is, I think he's going to have an office there if that's what he wants. Because as Joe Ellis said yesterday in a statement, which was pretty interesting, he said John Elway is is single-handedly the most important figure in Denver Broncos history. And to me, I agree with that. I know a lot of people uh, said, wow, already forgetting about, about Pat Bolin. And I don't think that's the case at all. But that just shows you that this guy is so important. He's have a, he's had a hand in every single Super Bowl that the Broncos have won. I mean, the fact that he got them to seven Super Bowls and three championships, that's insane. Yeah, and, uh, you know, for those who want to discredit Elway's accomplishments that happened when Peyton Manning was around, um, you know, you could do the same thing to Pat Bolin uh, because uh, obviously uh, John Elway was here before. So, you know, I'm not a fan of doing that to anyone, um, but you could do the same thing. Uh, and John Elway definitely has a claim to being the most important figure in Broncos history, as does Floyd Little and as does, uh, you know, Pat Bolin. I think, I think everyone, you know, there's a reason why there's a lot of pages in the history book. Um, and I don't even think someone needs to be crowned that. But. What I want uh, to talk about now, well, first of all, I want to talk about a metaphor that I thought was very fitting in John Elway's press conference. He was talking about his seventh grandchild being born, and he mentioned how basically that he thought being a grandpa was better than being a parent. And I thought that was the perfect metaphor for exactly what's happening here. Uh, He's going from being the parent of the Broncos in the roster to being the grandpa where he can kind of, you know, pop in for the holidays and the big moments. Uh, and, you know, he said something along the lines of like, you never have to discipline um, the, the grandchildren or something like that. It's, I just thought it was, it was very fitting that on the day of his seventh grandchild being born, he, he was becoming the grandpa of the Broncos roster. And that's specifically so, yeah, that's, the seventh, the seventh yeah, is, is fun. Well, the thing about it, like the equivalent of parental discipline is if you're the GM, you're getting the call at 3 a.m. If a player has gone out and gotten into trouble, like uh, mm-hmm. you're getting that, that, that call. Oh uh, yeah. This is the, we're hearing from the Denver PD that insert player's name here had a DUI. You got, you're going to have to deal with this. And you know what? That's never going to happen. No more are you going to have. Remember John Boyette a few years ago? Was that yeah. the guy uh, who was like in the bushes or something? Yes. Yeah. And, and when the cops came to him, he kept, he told them to call John Elway. John Elway's my boss. <laughs> that's gone now. He doesn't have to deal with that crap anymore. Well, that's also, what I'm going to do if I get in trouble. I don't think John answered that phone call. That that didn't help John. Oh. No, no. Uh, okay. What I did want to talk about, though, is how everything just changed. Uh, and that was kind of the big message of the emergency podcast is mm-hmm. everything just changed. Uh, it, it'd be funny to just go back and listen to yesterday morning's podcast 24 hours ago. <laughs> We were literally talking about how stable everything was, how continuity was going to be the word of the offseason, how this 
Ross, you know, the roster wasn't going to change that much, uh, save for a few big free agent decisions. And now we can literally have a conversation about every single player uh, and whether they're safe anymore, which was not the case 24 hours ago. So I want to talk about who you think stock is up, who you think stock is down. And we'll start with the most important one. I think Drew Locke's stock is trending down right now. Now, it's not um, for any specific reason other than just the fact that there's uncertainty. You know, the stock people are selling the stock uh, out of a panic a little bit, which is causing the stock to go down a, a little bit. John Elway is the one who drafted Drew Locke. He's the one who's been, you know, kind of mentoring him on the side, talking to him a lot. There's a connection there. Whereas the new GM is going to come in and not have a connection with Drew Locke. So to me, Drew Locke's stock is down because he doesn't have any anything to fall back on now. Everything he does from, from here, it's going to have to be 100% earned. Now, do I think he can still do it? Do I think he can still be part of the plans? Do I think he can still be maybe part of a quarterback competition and win that job? Yes, I do. But I don't think that uh, that you can say – that his stock is trending up for sure with this move. No, Drew Locke's stock is absolutely trending down with this. The biggest supporters of Drew Locke and believers, dating all the way back to the draft, has been the people inside the Denver Broncos organization. Outsiders could easily come in, guys, and say, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and this was you know his second year in the league. I know it was his first year starting, but still, he doesn't get the full rookie excuse here. Uh, yeah, we need to go a different direction. And on top of that, uh, John said yesterday that there's going to be a, a GM, a new GM is not going to have to agree on Drew Locke being the quarterback. He's going to come in, make his own evaluation on everything in the organization, and then make moves from there. So the Broncos aren't going to say to a new GM, Drew has to be your guy. And so I think a new guy is going to come in and he could also start from scratch and say, okay, this is my team now. And with the most important position in all of sports, I want to go my own direction. So yeah, the, this was not a good day for Drew. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things going into the process is that there are two things that I think should not be relatively important factors in the GM hire. One is uh, what the GM thinks of, of Drew Locke. In other words, if somebody, if a GM says, oh, I think Drew Locke's a great quarterback, that's not something that should move the needle on that GM getting the job because the most important thing is ability to run an organization football-wise and and uh, and personnel acumen. So uh, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't advise the Broncos to put it as a check mark if the guy says, oh, I like Drew Locke or I don't like Drew Locke. I think that's actually relatively irrelevant. But what you've done here, though, is create something interesting where – Vic Fangio is basically coaching for his job. John Elway was going to be in a contract year, so would have been the easiest thing to 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 run it to run it back with Drew Locke because he's already started the process. Now you have a GM that comes in and they can view things over a three and four year span. And what that does, I know people are there. Been, there's been chat about Matthew Stafford, and I'm sure there may be some inquiries made. But this really brings draft back into the picture because that GM may say, we're sitting here at nine. This appear, this is a four, maybe a five QB draft, depending on what I think of, of Mac Jones. And we're sitting here in position to either stand pat and have one or two of them still on the board at nine or make a reasonable trade up 
to two or three if we love one of the, uh, if we love Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, or both. A trade that I don't think you're going to be able to make next year, even if Drew Locke fails to launch, because the rest of this team, guys, I think they're they're seven and nine, eight and eight at the worst if they have an average year health wise in 2021, and it's going to be hard to move up and get into the Keaton Slovis, Sam Howell conversation next year from pick maybe 17 if the year kind of goes, 16 or 17 if the year goes the way this year did. So that GM being able to think two or three years out and how next year's draft might look may look at this landscape and say, okay, one of these QBs, it's the way to go here. This I'm going to go ahead and take him. Yeah, and that to me is... Uh, was going to be the next question is first round quarterbacks stock up stock down <laughs> I think that is the um, you know the hot stock of the day that's the stock that everyone wants to buy right now now is that the best idea I don't know but I totally understand why everyone is saying hey I got to get in on some of this first round QB stock all of a sudden because this GM now is going to come in and be able to get his guy you know mm-hmm. um, he's going to be able to say uh, look, I'm going to be around here a while. I want someone to build my foundation. And the weird thing, though, is how does that work for Vic Fangio? Does Vic Fangio say, like, cool, so then am I, am I not on the hot seat then? Because, you know, if we're building from ground zero with a rookie quarterback, um, I don't feel very comfortable with having to, you know, go 500 or better next season. Um, there's going to have to be – I think he's going to have to be assured one way or another – that this isn't going to sink him in the long run. But I do think um, a GM could very well come in and say, hey, I, I think Drew Locke can be the guy. Let's give this a one-year trial, you know, um, especially because that GM has a little bit of safety in him. He says, okay, look, I get where you're coming from, Vic. You want to have a more veteran quarterback. So you're all on a one-year trial, you know. Uh, you, Drew's got one year, you've got one year, uh, you know, Pat Shermer's got one year too. Look, show me what you can do. This is your one year job interview to continue, uh, to continue your time here. Yeah. And that, that would be some pressure coming down on both of those guys. And it is a really interesting dynamic and situation that the Broncos are in right now with bringing in a new GM, but not just saying that you're going to keep the coach saying that you're going to have the coach make the decision and be part of the process of hiring the new general manager. That's why someone with ties to Vic could really make sense for this because then it's more than just a one-year test period and Vic feels more comfortable. And then he's able to buy into the general manager's message more of going with a young quarterback or something like that. And another reason why the stock is so, so much higher on a young quarterback is uh, a new GM may come in here and view this team the way John Elway does. We're just a quarterback away from making the playoffs. I love what I have on offense with Vic on defense and the players they have. I think this could be a, a playoff team next year with the right quarterback. And so they may say, we're not going to be a top 10 pick in the future. And uh, whether I get Zach Wilson at nine or whether you know they trade up a, a first and a second round pick, to move up to three, four, five to get that third that third quarterback off the board. That's something that this new GM could do. And also, guys, it opens the field to any quarterback in this draft outside of Trevor Lawrence. I, I think we were all a bit skeptical that Justin Fields would be John Elway's sort of guy. Now he's on the board. 
Yeah, and like, I, let's say, for example, Champ Kelly gets the job. Uh, one thing I would be curious about with Champ Kelly is which side of the Bears' internal debate he was on back in 2017. Uh, because as John Fox has noted, there were people in the building who really, really wanted Mitchell Trub- or, or Deshaun Watson rather than Trubisky. What kind of quarterback did Champ Kelly like? Was he on John Fox's side or Ryan Pace's side? This is something that uh, I wonder if they'll try to get into in, in the interviews as they try to you know peel back the, the layers on these guys. That might as well be the determining factor uh, in the interview. <laughs> so no, are you ruling out no. Lou Riddick because of the things he said on Twitter about really loving Trubisky, really loving Dwayne Haskins back in 2019? No. Um, I So anyone who has done this long enough yeah. knows that if you have to share your opinion on draft uh, on players in the draft, you will be wrong and you will be wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm – only kidding when it comes down to Trubisky versus Watson, although that one was really the most obvious one of all time to me. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I liked Dwayne Haskins too. I was wrong about that. Um, but not more than Kyler. No, not more than I know Kyler. Riddick liked Haskins more than Kyler, and uh, that's where I'm like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, all these guys have been wrong several times there if there was someone who was always right about quarterbacks in the draft um they would have a new job every other year and they'd get paid like a hundred million dollars to do it um Mm -hmm. but the the thing is it's just really it's really really difficult to be right about quarterbacks in the draft um that's why that's why you'll get someone like john dorsey who you know who it turns out looks like baker mayfield was a good call in cleveland and hit on Patrick Mahomes. Maybe you pay John Dorsey, who's consulting with the Eagles right now. Maybe you pay him a million dollars and say, John, who's your quarterback? Yeah. Or you hire him as your GM and get ready for the chaos that will ensue and tell the, uh, the cap guy you're sorry and, and let it ride. Oh, Dorsey would be great for us. Yes. In the oh, media. Yes, he'd be he... phenomenal. I'm and... not sure he'd be great for the team except for picking a quarterback. Well, hey, you get the quarterback and, and, and <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you put Patrick Mahomes on the Jags and they're gonna be just fine. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, okay, let's move on here. The one that I think is quick we can go through is, is Vic Fangio. Um, it's a little weird to me, I gotta be honest, that we're talking about everything is on the table, although one person is going to be in the interviews who I think should be on the table. You know, you talked about how it shouldn't be a determining factor in the hire, whether or not someone likes Drew Locke. I agree. I also think it shouldn't be a determining factor in the hire, whether or not someone likes Vic Fangio. And that's going to be kind of hard uh, to do if Vic Fangio is sitting in on the interviews to have an honest conversation about what you think of the head coach. Do you think Vic leaves the interview at any point? That would be so awkward. (laughs) No, it definitely would. You know, everyone smiles and then Vic leaves and he comes back and everyone's like, uh, you know, a lot more tempered. And and Vic's like, oh, no, what did I miss? It'll be kind of like when you, you know, uh, you and your girl go on a double date with maybe like um, your friend and his new girlfriend, right? And she goes to the bathroom, and then everyone's like, all right, so what do you think? What do you think? (laughs) That's what will happen with Vic. They'll be at Elway's, and Vic will run to the bathroom, and that's when John will be like, so what do you think of Vic? 
Vic's so. going to have to hold it then. No bathroom trips. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but th- this is a very awkward situation uh, with Vic because at the end of the day, the GM is going to have the final say. Uh, and it seems like John wants to build this like a normal hierarchy, except for right now, this first year, the GM and head coach will be reporting to John. But John has made it clear both in his statement and when we talked to him that the GM will have final say on the roster and everything. So I imagine that the GM will be above him. So Vic Fangio is going into these interviews uh, looking for someone that likes him. And it could be a a one-year trial period. Like we said, that's, again, why Champ Kelly would make so much sense and why if Vic Fangio has a good relationship with him, which I would imagine he does, would be pounding the table for him because he may know, okay, I'm probably going to get one more than one year with Champ. And you know what? A one-year trial period, as it were, that might dovetail perfectly with things organizationally for the Broncos because I would expect that a year from now, we will have either a specific timetable on Brittany Bowen becoming the managing partner, or we'll be in the process of, of getting toward or, or maybe even uh, on the market with a sale of the team. Well, and then with that, we're not just talking about, you know, a new head coach. We could be talking about a new GM and yeah. we could be talking about how, you know, John Elway certainly won't be coming back as the president. We could be talking about everything new. So, I mean, yeah, this could be a one-year trial period for everyone. Let's say this new GM comes in and lights it up and the Broncos are in the playoffs. Well, a new guy's probably, a new owner's probably not going to come in and fire him. There's still a case that that may happen. But let's say the Broncos go 6-10 and 10 next year. That new owner is going to have no loyalty to anyone. Yeah, it's like uh, you, you compare purchases of teams. For example, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys when Jerry Jones bought them, they were coming off of three and thirteen and three straight losing seasons. Very easy for Jerry Jones to bring in Jimmy Johnson and uh, and tell Tom Landry you're done and 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 clean out the brain trust Landry. Gil Brandt, Tech Schramm, all Hall of Famers, all jettisoned because of bad seasons. But then you look at recently David Tepper in Carolina. And when he bought the team, the issue was ownership and business side. But on the football side, they'd just gone to the playoffs, and Cam Newton looked to still be in his in his prime. So Tepper chose to kind of sit back, watch for a year and a half on Ron Rivera, watched for two year, two and a half years on Marty Herney, their GM, and then pulled the trigger on both of them. And so what, no matter who the new owner is, how much time they get may well depend on this season. If, they, if the Broncos go nine and seven and are showing some progress, then that new owner, whoever he or she may be, may say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wait, going to let these, going to let these people do their jobs and, uh, and evaluate. But if it's another six and ten or five and eleven type of season, then I think it could be pulling the ripcord pretty quickly. And don't you think, you know, despite the fact that everything truly is up in the air, don't you think that that is the best course of action uh, for the new GM? At least I do. Um, come in and say, okay, look, I'm. Let's just let's keep continuity in mind. Uh, and I think John Elway will be telling the new GM, I really do think. <laughs> That there's value in continuity. Um, I don't think we need a new offensive coordinator. I don't think we need a new head coach. And and I don't think we need a quarterback. Um, and I do think the best thing for the new GM to do is just, all right, let me, let me get my eyes on everything for a year here, uh, and then I'll make a decision. Because obviously they're going to be on a three- to four-year contract. 
yeah, the GM yeah. would, but maybe not Vic. Like if the GM has Vic's ear, Vic might be saying, uh, you know, and this is where this is where Matthew Stafford might come in, or a a a reasonably big money hedge like a uh, a Mariota if he's available, or a Jameis Winston might come in because Vic might say, yeah, you know, lock showing some things here, but uh, you know, this is a winner. This is a winner LC. This is make or break. I want to be, but I want to be a little more well covered than I am with just Drew Locke. So get me the best guy that you can who's available on the market, and uh, and maybe and maybe it's even Sam Darnold as well. If you're talking about uh, uh, that young veteran hedge, yeah. Or Vic may say, get me the get me the rookie that first round pick, uh, and just make sure that I have a job for for more than just this year, and we can work through the growing pains together with the young quarterback. And it's such an interesting dynamic because there's so many f- things that could fall out from this about just how this new GM approaches this. He could come in and say exactly what you said, Ryan, but he could also come in and say. This team hasn't made the playoffs for five years. I don't need to wait and see what's going on. I want to make some changes now. And one thing that's going to be very interesting is Matt Russell's replacement. Is that going to be the G, the new GM's pick? Is that going to be a collaboration? Is it going to be someone within the building that's promoted? Because then if it's the new GM that comes in and gets to pick his own right-hand man, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that, well, then you're kind of getting a, a whole new segment uh, of people in the building, and it could end up being an us versus them sort of thing. I love, I, I love. Well, I don't love the idea of an us versus them, but I do love the idea of a whole new set of ideas and thoughts. Um, you know, you mentioned that Justin Fields doesn't seem like a John Elway guy. I love that. I don't know what kind of guy the new guy likes. You know, like. Um, I don't know if we'll ever find out whether or not Champ Kelly wanted Deshaun Watson or Mitch Trubisky, but I hope we do. And I hope we find out that he wanted Deshaun Watson. And now I can say, oh, so that's his kind of guy. All right, now he's my kind of guy. Um, I I just – it's been so long, you know, for Zach and I. The entire time we've covered the team, it's been John Elway. Um, for, for, you know, it's been a decade. It's been a long time since we had – fresh ideas in the Broncos front office. Uh, and I'm just excited to learn what kind of quarterback is the new GM's kind of quarterback. And um, it makes it, the draft really hard to predict in some time. And that can be a, a positive if, if teams don't know what you're going to do. I mean, now the Broncos sitting there at nine, they're kind of a wild card in the top 10 here. And that's, that's pretty exciting. And, they have the potential if if they it, look if let's say it's Champ Kelly and Champ Kelly loved Deshaun Watson. Well, if he loved Deshaun Watson, he might love Justin Fields because watching that game Friday night in particular, I saw a lot of Watson like moments from Fields. Yeah. Right yeah. right down to the fact that he rebounded from a bad game. Deshaun had some shaky games, shaky moments at times at Clemson, but he always did a good job rebounding from them. He showed that resiliency. And I, I could see, I could completely see Champ Kelly looking at the attributes of Fields versus Watson, who I'm sure he did a lot of work on back in 2017, and saying, "Hey, we because of a decision somebody else made, didn't get that that get that kind of guy in 17. I'm not going to make that same mistake again." Yeah, um, I love that. I just love it. Um, and you know, we haven't talked about Justin Fields much on the show since uh, that game. But remember, we said 
I said on the show, you know, his stock has been trending down this season. He hasn't been that impressive, but all of that can change in a head-to-head matchup with Trevor Lawrence, and boy, did it. Um, he was a warrior. He made some high-level NFL throws, um, but he also just made some big, big throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and his what, toughness, holy oh, cow. He it, won over some some GMs with that alone, I'm sure. GMs and coaches, I can see them all watching that game, knowing the injury was playing within men, and they're all saying something old. like, yeah, that's a football player right there. <laughs> I can see I could see Vic looking at Justin Fields and saying, "Man, that's my kind of guy." <laughs> yep. Yep. That was uh that was awesome. I'm excited uh that that game happened for Justin Fields because I mm-hmm. you know, you want more great quarterback play at the top of the draft. It makes the whole thing more exciting. And you're right, the Broncos are now a huge dark horse candidate uh to do anything in the top 10. No one knows what they're going to do. I guarantee you they'll be throwing out some little leaks uh of information that they want out there maybe it is that the broncos are very interested in drafting a quarterback and that could just be a smoke screen because they want someone to trade up and pay a haul um to get that pick or or something along those lines so last thing i want to do here on the live side of things um and zach do have a chance to change our thoughts here mate on the emergency podcast yesterday we both gave our predictions as mm-hmm. to who will be the GM. So I'll let you start. Who is your prediction? I think I have a guess based on the conversations we've been having today. Yeah, I think Champ Kelly is the is the favorite. I think he'll he'll end up getting the job. If I'm calling my shot on one guy, I'd I'd call it on him. I mean, the interesting thing with Adam Peters is he's got multiple suitors. Now Champ Kelly's got some interest from the Falcons, but it sounds like the Falcons may be headed more in the Rick Smith direction. Another former Broncos executive, although he goes back to the time of Mike Shanahan and Ted Sunquist. But uh, Champ Kelly seems to check a lot of the boxes in terms of in, in terms of uh, background, intel- intelligence, uh, temperament, the fact that he's worked under John Elway. Uh, he, he worked under he worked in the Shanahan administration. He worked in the McDaniels administration. He worked in the Elway administration and he uh, and he always made his mark and he was always very well thought of. I think he's somebody that can be a, con- a consensus builder in the organization as well. And so uh, uh, that's why I think champ's going to uh, be the guy standing at the end. If I have to call my shot on one of them. Yeah. I think champ is a close second, Ryan. I'm sticking with the guy we talked about yesterday, Adam Peters. Uh, just, just the, the big time connection with John Elway, I think is really going to help. But like I said, champ Kelly is a very close second and I think he'd be a great hire. Yeah. I have to say I've reached, you know, neck and neck, uh, with those guys. Uh, yesterday my gut feeling told me Adam Peters, and ever since I said that, all that's happening is Adam Peters is here and Champ Kelly has been trending up. And now I think uh, they're they're right there with each other. So uh, I'll just because of um, one of my favorite words, anchor bias, I'll stick with Adam Peters for another day. But uh, I, I, the trend is definitely Champ Kelly trending up. And, and I think if you probably asked most people in Broncos country, they'd say he's the favorite right now. Yeah. And so, I mean, Champ Kelly, keep your eye on him. He's with the Bears right now. And like you said, has been with pretty pretty much every single Broncos regime in the past, what, 30 years? Yeah, 25 years. Yeah. Uh, But uh, did well under all of them. Originally a Shanahan Sunquist hire. 
uh, survived through McDaniels, which says a lot about him, and then flourished under Elway working in pro personnel. And uh, his work on the pro personnel side under Elway, uh, tremendous, not only because of the big ticket free agent signings, but one of the things that uh, was among his responsibilities was filling those holes that would that would open up during seasons. And one of the things that was a tenant of Champ uh, Kelly's time is that Late in camp, they're bringing, and even on the waiver wire, they're bringing in guys like Jimmy Leonard, Keith Brooking, Dan Copen, and those were guys that really helped the Broncos out in 2012 into 2013. Really filled some holes. So, I think, I think that's the kind of thing that's really going to help Champ Kelly's odds. And you just love a story like that <clears throat> of someone who you know has ground their teeth at the lowest levels mm-hmm. of, of that side of things, worked their way all the way up. Um, and potentially become the GM of the team. It's an awesome story, uh, and he's certainly paid his dues and and is qualified for the job. So we'll have a close eye on that. If you're watching on YouTube, we'd love if you hit us with a thumbs up. Um, oh, look at that, a fancy Ooh, new wow. graphic. A thumbs it. up, subscribe, sign up for the alerts. That's good stuff right there. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in on the live side of things. We're going to jump over to the podcast side. We'll see you there. All right, before we move on, I want to give a shout out to the delicious, the refreshing, the crisp, the cold Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, The best damn beers money can buy. Whatever your favorite beer is, just try Breckenridge uh, version of that, and now you have a new favorite beer. Um, I might recommend the Strawberry Sky. Uh, Vanilla Porter is is a nice wintry beer if you're into that. Uh, The new Juice Drop IPA has become a personal favorite of mine. Uh, but really, everything they put out is just gold in a can. So check out Breckenridge Brewery. And if you don't know where to find it, you can go on their website and use the Breck Brew locator to find the nearest Breck Brew to you. Playoffs? Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? That's right. We nice. are talking about playoffs this week, guys. Of course, triple header on Saturday, triple header on Sunday. And the best place to get in on all of this weekend's action is at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. And if you haven't checked out the app yet, now is the best time to do so. To celebrate the most exciting time of the football season, DraftKings is giving you the chance to double your money. And all it takes is one touchdown to be scored during Saturday football game to do so that's right once you opt in and place your bet on DraftKings Sportsbook all you have to do is sit back and wait for a touchdown to be scored to double your money and of course football is going to be all this weekend but also there's the basketball season and DraftKings has you covered with daily odds boosts every single day when there's basketball which is every day DraftKings is safe secure reliable making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience so head to the app store now and download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up at the shot to double your money if a touchdown is scored in one of Saturday's football games that's code DNVR for new players to get a shot at doubling their money for limited time only only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's get into the questions from the listeners. And the first one is for you, Mace. Yep, it's from our friend, The Count. It's a simple one. Simmons contract more or less likely now? Love The Count. Right, I meant to get to that in the first segment, but uh, we talked a lot. Um, (laughs) More likely, in my opinion, more likely. Um, I think that we talked about it yesterday. We talked about it a lot. Um, those in charge didn't see Justin Simmons as an elite player. They liked him. They didn't love him. 
new GM could come in, watch Justin Simmons tape and absolutely fall in love. Um, so I say more likely. Uh, I don't know if that means it is likely, but I would say more likely. Well, and I think Vic would also love to keep Justin Simmons around. Even if he really likes him, he knows it's going to help him uh, on the defensive side in his one-year prove-it year potentially. So uh, I think Vic would be all for it. And I think that the, a new GM would come in and at least and not like Justin Simmons less than John Elway does. So I think it at least keeps the bar where it is, but I also say more likely. And another reason for that is Justin Simmons really seemed like he was ready, like he was walking out the door yesterday with a new GM in place that may change his perspective on this and think, okay, well, we can get a deal done uh, and and really open up that negotiation again. Well, you know, I think uh, Justin, he, he, as we know, he's a very introspective, very reflective person. And I think it it certainly was a dramatic moment that he was just kind of looking around, but you know what? I do that at the last game every year too. I kind of look around the press box, look down at the field because you never know what's going to happen in the next seven or eight months. You never know uh, how things are going to shake out. So you kind of take, take it all in. So I, I don't think it necessarily means that he's out. I certainly think that a new GM can help his, his cause. Now, what'll be interesting is what the new GM thinks of all the football staff. Ultimately, according to a report, John Elway told the football staff, look, I'll put in good words for you but it's going to be the GM's call as to whether you're here or not. So you have somebody like Rick Hurtado, who's the capologist and does a lot of the negotiations and uh, was involved with the negotiation last year with Simmons and actually used to represent Simmons as the agent. Now he's going to the, the other side of things. Uh, is there a change in that role? What does it mean for Simmons and, and the status uh, there? There are a lot of things in play, but I think it does help Simmons because if you turn on the film, you're saying, how am I letting this guy go? He's a, and, and on top of that, he's been all pro. He's a pro bowler among the very best at what he does. I don't think a new GM would want to come in and turn something that is a huge strength of the team into a weakness. Well, the, a reason against that, Mace, and I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate here, is he wasn't Simmons wasn't a draft pick of this new GM. He doesn't have ties to him, uh, and so that that would be a reason why a new GM would come in and say that. On top of just not thinking he's elite and knowing he's going to get elite money. And I would say this: if the GM's personality is that, okay, this is a good player, but I didn't draft him. I don't want him. That's if if the GM has that mentality in general. I'm taking him off the list. I, I want a, G, a GM that at least looks at this at a, at a team and says, instead of clear cutting, let's be surgical here and say, these areas need to be upgraded. These areas, we, we have better solutions than we could find on the market. Just be surgical and precise. It was something I learned from John Fox when he talks about when he went to Carolina, he inherited a one in 15 team. Every reason to go in and just knock the thing down and start over. But instead, went through, decided which guys could help, which guys uh, didn't have value, kept the ones who did. And a lot of those 1-15 in 15 players, they started in the Super Bowl. I, w- I will say, <clears throat> I don't think a GM is going to say, I didn't draft this guy, so I don't like him. But there's a lot of side things that play into Justin Simmons' hand when it comes with the Broncos, and, and it is – you know, he's been an incredible draft pick for John Elway. He's been an incredible member of the community. He's been a great teammate. He's done all of these things. Um, and those things all help his case into getting a new contract. 
a new GM obviously will come in and, and they'll get the rundown of how great Justin Simmons is off the field, but they aren't going to have that personal connection with them um, that John Elway does have. So they're obviously not going to say, this isn't my guy. I don't want him, but they might be more based on the tape where again, Justin Simmons is a very, very good. I'll even give him two very uh, safety, but I don't think the tape would show that he's elite. And that's what the new GM's going to have to decide. If he's elite, you pay him. If not, I don't pay elite money to non-elite players. I think that really puts you in a, in a tough spot. Uh, next one here from Manning's forehead. No matter what, I'll always appreciate him and love the kid. I hope he stays, and I hope that he shows the new GM that he's our guy. I wouldn't say it's probably 100% less likely or 100 times less likely, um, but it, like we said at the top, his stock is definitely trending down. Um, but that's only speculation. You know, that's just because of the fact that, you know, the guy who brought him in isn't going to be in charge of the decisions anymore. It's, you know, it's going to come down to the same thing we just talked about. Uh, the new GM is going to watch the tape and they're going to make a decision for themselves, whether his progress over the last four or five games of the season uh, is something they're interested in. And, and they think that's, um, you know, good enough progress to move forward with them. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, this new GM is going to be tied to the quarterback and whether he sticks by drew lock or goes, get someone else that that's the most important thing. So I don't think if a, if a GM is lukewarm on drew lock, that he's going to be all in on him. That's why I just think it, it really, uh, it really puts a lot more pressure on the quarterback position this off season. Absolutely. And, uh, and really the next few, the next few weeks and months may well determine whether drew lock is, the next link in the Broncos chain of outstanding quarterbacks, whether he's in the, the Morton Elway, I would even say Jake Plummer because he got him to a, the brink of a Super Bowl or Peyton Manning or whether Drew Locke is another Steve Tensey or Steve Ramsey. I mean, that, that that's what's on the line here. Is he going to be somebody who could define an era or is he going to be quickly forgotten? That's going to be largely on the GM here. Yep, exactly, exactly. Next one coming in from AvsWatch22, and he leaves us a TLDR. Hey, guys, I posted my original comment to be read out on the podcast in the morning a comment section, but I'm doubling up and posting it here, too, just in case you guys read comments from here. If you do, just know I left Justin Simmons' most recent Instagram post out of my comment, but if you haven't seen it, go check it out. And when you combine it with Mace's note about Simmons thanking the media today, it's foreboding. Anyways, here's my original comment. Thank This is your TLDR. DR, but then again, off-season pod, baby. Well, it doesn't feel like an off-season pod. That's for sure, man. Feels like this is uh, this is the most in-season we've had. I think we're off-season at the earliest Thursday, if not next week. But we're not. Yeah, we're definitely not there today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Next one from Garrett Bulls. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Anyways, I really want to know how frustrated John is that Herbert didn't declare for the draft early. <laughs> now the QB he's always loved is going to ball in this division for the next decade. I wonder if Herbert had declared early and John got him, if we'd really be hearing this news right now. Obviously, there's a lot of factors in this, but it's interesting. Well, wow. what's interesting about this is uh, John was asked yesterday, would you be doing this if the team was three or 13 and three right now? And he said, he kind of paused for a minute and said, probably but not certainly not a definitive answer. And I think it was a, an interesting question. If the Broncos were back in the chase for Lombardi, meaning a tinker here, a tinker there, 
um, a bounce here, a bounce there. I think John would have the juices flowing again and saying, man, I want to press that last button uh, that gets us to the Super Bowl. Right now, it's like trying to, you know, crack the nuclear codes, uh, the formula of trying to get the Broncos uh, back to the Super Bowl. So uh, I, I think that the uh, – I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but how large of a situation this is and how much work it's going to take to get the Broncos back to that level, I think that's what was looming over John's head when he realized this isn't a, this isn't a one-year project for me anymore. Um, and I don't know if I want to do this, uh, for so long until, and to try and figure this out again. And, and again, all it takes is one wrong button that you press, you pre- you try to draft a quarterback this year and you press the wrong button. Well, guess what? You just set it back another two years. Well, and right. on top of that, this is also uh, the natural progression for John. Instead of being fired, this is the, this is the way to go out easy for him and on a good note. Yeah, the other, th- the other thing also, it's not just the Justin Herbert conversation. It's Patrick Mahomes in the division. I mean, you first of all, to be in better playoff position, you've got to get past Mahomes and the Chiefs. And the best way to have a chance at doing that is to have that quarterback. So I think it's it's doubly frustrating knowing that you have the Broncos and Chargers, both of whom had similar injury rates, and yet the Chargers probably were some game management decisions away from not winning the division, but at least providing a push and being a playoff team, whereas the Broncos – about the same amount as the Chargers, but not getting as much over the course of the season from the quarterback are sitting at 5-11, and 11, two games clear in last place. The mountain is, is, is much steeper for the Broncos than it would be for the Chargers with Herbert. Uh, news came out yesterday that the Chargers will interview Jason Garrett for their head coaching gig. Please, Everyone please, 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 please. To bring in Jason Garrett, that would be fantastic news for the Broncos. I think the Chargers are just shaking some trees right now, though. Um, I think I would be surprised if their coach isn't uh, isn't Brian, Brian, Brian Dable or Josh McDaniels or the dark horses right there on their own staff in Pep Hamilton. Uh, I mean, McDaniels, that would also be incredible. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for, though, if he's if he's really learned lessons from the last time. Be, care- be careful what you wish for having him back in the division and having a real legit quarterback in Justin Herbert more than he well, had in trading for Kyle Orton. Well, yeah, who's I think to it- say he won't try to trade Justin Herbert for, uh, I don't know. Mitchell um, Trubisky? No, I think it would be more along the lines of uh, what's the kid there from Auburn? Jared Stidham. Or what about Jacoby Brissett? Yeah, there you go. Oh, man. Yeah, I think I think it would either be terrible for the Broncos or incredible for the Broncos I think it would be incredible uh, you know I just uh, Tiger doesn't change its stripes <laughs> well think about when they come in is anyone in the NFL going to receive a more hostile reception walking into Empower Field than Josh McDaniels leading another team as head coach no nope. would be incredible <laughs> oh my god I want that rivalry to be fared up. Uh, I also think Eric Bieniemy is a, uh, a possibility there. Um, no one scares me more than Dable, although I don't know. Something feels a little bit off about his head coach chops. Um, so you know, it, it, it rarely works out that the hot name 
uh, ends up being the best coach of a cycle. He's definitely the hottest name. He, he certainly is the hottest name. You just hope that he doesn't take Justin Herbert on a similar trajectory that he took Josh Allen. Cause that would be, I mean, that would be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen's already better than Patrick Mahomes right now. So <laughs> you taking the bills in the Super Bowl? I am a little bit hesitant uh, about the, about the Packers without Bakhtiari, even though even without fans, no one still wants to go to Lambeau field and play 10 in 10 degrees in snow. The Packers still have a home field advantage, even without their fans. So it's a good pick, but I'm, I'm just a little bit, a little bit nervous about Rogers running for life. I'm still picking the Packers, but it's a, it's a hesitant Packers. It's uh, before the injury. I was dead certain, no doubt. Think about it for two tenths of a second. That's it. Yep, sounds about right. Aaron yeah. Rodgers needs all of his weapons in order to uh, to succeed. As does everyone. Um, Zach, you know, he won Super the Bowl Super Bowl, Bowl with like twelve guys on injured reserve. Zach, that's true. <laughs> and his and his uh, has lost three straight NFC Championship games since. Oh, uh, Zach. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Macy's Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh right, of course. Against the Kansas City Chiefs, so the the uh, favorite and uh, and an underdog there. Wow. I, if that happens, uh, the Chiefs will win by thirty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the Chiefs are going to win by thirty then. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to believe you're right, Zach. Um, I mean, and they they dodged a bullet with the Mike Evans injury. Boy, when he went down Sunday, I thought. Here it is. That's, just, that's the bu- that's the Bucks, right? This is what happens. They lose their they lose their best receiver in franchise history to a torn ACL, but just a hyperextension. Uh, they're hoping to have him back, if not by Washington, then by the divisional round if they get past the football team. So that's good news. But I just don't think the Bucks have enough on the defensive side. I mean, I just feel like it's flying under the radar how good the Bills are. I think it's because they're the Bills. Um but they've blown out three straight opponents to finish the season, like in the most convincing fashion you ever could. Now, am I a little worried that a couple things could go wrong against the Colts and it could all fall apart? Yes, of course. Uh, especially since they've been cruising so hard, but I also think they could just cruise right to the AFC championship game. Um, and then the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen battle in that game would be uh, an incredible watch. Yeah, and I, th- yeah. I think the Bills are the second-best team in the AFC. I just think that the Chiefs are still the, the kings in the AFC. Uh, and you know what I think has flown under the radar, guys? is Tom Brady. Somehow he's flown under the radar. Over 40 touchdowns this year, guys. I mean, uh, you guys had your doubts about him. I can't believe people would still have doubts about him. It's, it's, it's Tom Brady who's playing extremely well in the playoffs. I, I, I feel crazy that, you know, I'm the crazy one picking him. Yeah, just think his time is coming down. <laughs> no, he's 43 touchdowns this year. What do you mean his time is coming gone? I just he has, oh, yeah, he's 20 touchdowns and five picks in his last in his last seven games. He's been awesome uh, recently. I just think uh, when they come up against a legitimate strong defense in the playoffs, it's going to come to an end because that's I, happened I, so yeah. often to him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, they I got their ass kicked by the Saints twice, so they don't want to see them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think the issue is uh, in the playoffs is going to is going to be uh, whether they get stopped. I think the issue is going to be whether they can stop uh, whether they can stop anybody because 
they've given up 27 or more points guys in four of the last six games. And uh, one of the exceptions was against Detroit when they were just crushed by their coaching staff was crushed by, by COVID and no one was minding the store at that point. So get it's a, it's, it's a defense that's a, about to face, maybe not this week against Washington, but if they get past the football team about to face, face some stiff challenges, I think the Bucks they'll, they'll hang in there, but I think they're going to lose a shootout at, at some point in the postseason. I mean, this is an exciting uh, playoffs, uh, especially because the Chiefs are glitching like crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do not look like uh, the Chiefs that were going into the playoffs last year. Glitching Makes, I and think it just glitching and winning. Glitching and winning, yes, but not against teams that like like the ones they're about to face. Um, well, they've right. done. I mean, six straight long... six straight games of, of beating teams before this last one of beating teams by less than a touchdown. First time ever in NFL history. Yeah, but they certainly know how to win. That's for damn sure. Well, you know what's interesting? They finished fourteen two, but you mentioned the close games on Pro Football Reference. The expected win-loss total for the Chiefs, because they base that heavily on points allowed and points scored, expected win-loss total is 10 and a half and five wins, five and a half losses. Being three and a half wins above your expected win-loss is an incredible outlier. Is yeah. it is it lucky or is it clutch? It's clutch uh, with them for sure, um, in my opinion. But there's also luck involved too. Um Gosh, I'm blanking on whatever game it was. The last one I watched of theirs, uh, Atlanta, but, Atlanta, where Ku missed the field goal at the end. Right, like that's yeah. luck. That's not clutch. Yeah. Um, you know, they they did put up um, good point totals against the Chiefs or against the Saints and Dolphins, but there was a couple dropped picks in the Saints game late. Um, so. We'll see. There was some luck involved. There's always luck involved when uh, when you make it far into an NFL season. Uh, it just depends on when it runs out. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And the interesting yeah. thing with those, with you look at the Bucks and uh, Saints games in in, in uh, particular for the Chiefs. The Bucks scored the last two touchdowns of that game to make it 27-24 in the end. And in the Saints game, uh, the Chiefs they were up. 14 points early in the fourth quarter, 10 points with four minutes to go. And so you have a couple of the games that have close final scores, but they could have been more comfortable wins. The Chiefs just kind of played the clock game. Let's, and, you know, played some prevent. Let's just get out of here with a dub. Let's not take some risks. I can't wait for playoff football. All I was saying is just that it's, they don't look like the same Chiefs. They don't look as dominant as they once did. Um, They're finding a way. Uh, they're going to have to play better. Are they capable of that? Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. And so if they turned it all on and in the playoffs and blow everyone out, I wouldn't shock me at all. No. Uh, before we move on, a shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group. Get those pearly whites right. Get that free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, Lindsay headed over there. They treated her like family. They are family. They're part of the DNVR family. And they have been for a long time. They've supported us through the entirety of the pandemic, uh, which means a lot to us. And it should mean a lot to you, too. Uh, So check them out. If you're in need of dental work in the metro area, they are the best damn family-owned dentist in this area. So uh, check them out. Green Mountain Dental. Get that free cleaning, free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. 
Guys, Infinity Park in Glendale and our backyard of Denver is now the new official training center for men's and women's USA Eagles 15 rugby teams. That makes Colorado the place for rugby in the United States. That makes the DNVR.com the place for American rugby and the best rugby coverage. Our reporter Colton Strickler does a great job keeping you up to date on everything going on in American rugby with the DNVR rugby podcast and on Twitter at DNVR rugby. He's also got articles there all the time about not only what's going on, but also breaking down the game. So if you want to learn the game, you can check out his podcast at DNVR rugby. And of course his articles at the DNVR.com to learn about the game and also stay up to date with everything going on with American rugby. So make sure to check us out at DNVR rugby everywhere. You find podcasts, just like the one you're listening to now. And of course on Twitter. All right, moving on here from Dan Burke he says, Hey guys, Mace, I enjoyed your tweet about being happy for, for Elway stepping down or up now, instead of letting the negative feelings towards him fester for another year. Not that it was unwarranted, but it's been disheartening to see some of the fan base sour on him in these past few years. So I'm glad he made the decision and I'm happy that we can have input on his replacement that he can have input on his replacement also can we talk about Draymond Jones real quick he's the only player in three years to get a sack on Rodney Hudson I checked PFF and he leads all defensive tackles in the 2019 class so that's Quinnen Williams Jeffrey Simmons Ed Oliver etc in pass rush grades how do y'all feel about him and what could his ceiling be yeah, I love Draymond Jones and the steps he's taken, and he's really developed in the running game as well. Uh, he he can be a staple on the Broncos' offensive line, and that's another reason. You pay Shelby Harris, guys, uh, you know you already locked up with Mike Purcell. Draymond Jones can be a starter for you there. Yeah, I, I think what we saw over the course of the year is that the, the Shelby and Draymond tandem works on the defensive line, and then you plug Mike Purcell back in there next year. Uh, you've got a defensive line that you could, on the, at least in terms of starters, that you can that you can win with. They 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 work well together. They play well off each other. Draymond is a, a consistent pass rusher. Ever he's he's done exactly what I would I hoped he would do, and really he's done what the Broncos hoped Adam Gotsis would do. They just had to kind of, and, and even DeMarcus Walker, they just had to keep swinging and missing in the second round in the, or on day two, pardon me for defensive interior guys. And then they finally found a hit with Draymond Jones. I think he's going to have a really good season next year. And he probably makes Jarrell Casey expendable. Yes. Oh, especially at that price tag that Jarrell's at. Absolutely. Next one coming in from Briggsy. Left this comment in yesterday's pod, but without going into too much detail, I'll allow y'all to do that if you would like. Do you suspect this off-field issue to play into possi- the possibility Vaughn doesn't come back slash suspension? Probably not. No, it it won't play into a suspension, I can't imagine. Uh, I don't really think he broke any rules, nothing illegal. Um, and so I don't think it would be a suspension. Terrible look, nonetheless, if true. Right. That that's the thing. If true, um, yeah, it's. I, I don't know. I'm. There's. I mean, there's not too much we could say on it, and you guys yeah. understand why. We just. There's. It's a lot of speculation. It's, you know. Um, it's a really bad situation, regardless uh, on you know how much is true. If it's all true, if it's not, it's just it doesn't look good for anyone. Right, and it's just it's difficult to deal with these things it's no fun for anyone uh obviously you just you hope it's not true because it's terrible but you know everyone has to draw their own conclusions about it and 
I don't necessarily think it's necessary for us to share ours. Yeah, it's I'm perfectly willing to let TMZ Sports handle this one and uh, and, and not touch it with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. One thing I will say um, is if a woman or anyone uh, is uh, claiming that they're being abused emotionally, physically, verbally, um, the first reaction should not be this is fake in my opinion. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more, Ryan. A- absolutely. Um, and it's, it's, man, it's, it's just sad to see. And at the same time there, you know, you got to uncover all the facts before you speak on someone's character. Yep. I think that's very true as well. And that's something that we may not be able to do with this case. Probably not. Un- unfortunately, uh, from Windy city Bronco time for some hot takes. First hot take, Elway just got fired. We talked about Elway's future role before, so him moving out of the GM job isn't a surprise. What, is, what surprise is, is that Russell isn't stepping into that job. All indications were that he was being groomed for it. With Russell also leaving, though, uh, is this more than Elway wanting to work on his golf game? I There is part of me who thinks that Joe Ellis bucked up a little bit here and said, John – Something has to change. Um, we love you. You're everything to this franchise, but we can't just sit idly by uh, right now. Something has to change. So let's formulate a plan uh, on how we can make some changes. I think I think that happened. Didn't yesterday? Didn't John drop the? I don't want to say slip because it wasn't a slip, but didn't he drop the? Uh, you know, Joe, Joe and I were talking about this and, and yep. I had a couple of weeks to decide on it. I mean, if he has a couple of weeks to decide on it, that's not him making the choice. That's someone coming to him, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think this may, maybe it, it's sort of like saying, you know, John, we know what the, the ledger of the last four years has been. Your contract is expiring in 2022 after the 2021 season. We know what the deal is with the lawsuit, the, the team being up in the air. You're in your 60s. How do you want the next few years to look? And maybe it, kind of sell it that way. You're at the point you're thinking about your legacy. I mean, the, right. this, this is a wonderful move for John Elway's legacy. Uh, you, you don't have to endure the indignity of saying John Elway is fired. And that was always my fear from the day – that John Elway got hired was the fact that if it doesn't work out someday, you're going to have to pat John Elway on the shoulder and say, it's time. And then the biggest figure in the history of the team is putting the contents of his office in cardboard boxes. And yeah. I think, it, yeah, we're spared all that. And that's wonderful. I think the most likely way that this ends is John Elway at the end of next year says, for example, Champ Kelly is doing an incredible job. I'm so excited about the future of this organization. I have seven grandchildren. It's time for me to step away from football and allow Champ and the other great people in this organization to lead the Broncos to the promised land. I'll still be available, you know, senior consultant, whatever. But I think that's probably the most likely final scene uh, of this movie. I think so too. Yeah, I, I think it. Uh... It could very well be that or John, like you said, stepping up into a senior consultant role for a couple of years and just making the transition even slower, but also easier for John. Absolutely.
He says, second hot take. The Broncos don't have confidence in Locke. Drew Locke was Elway's choice. If Elway truly believed that Locke had a future in Denver, would he be stepping out of the GM role right now? Bringing in a new GM allows them to move on from Locke because it'll be about the new GM's vision. It won't be Elway taking yet another shot at quarterback. It will be the new GM who Elway just indicated would have full control over those decisions. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if the Broncos went 13-3 and under Drew Locke this year and it, it looked like that he was about to lead them to a Super Bowl, John would want to ride that train. Um, but I don't think this has that much to do with Drew Locke in the, in the end. Yeah, that would be pretty damning on Drew if it if it was all about Drew John saying, "Holy cow, this is this is bad," and I don't want to be blamed for picking another one, so I'm stepping away now. Kind of like how Nate Sudfeld will always be remembered as the quarterback so bad he incited a national tanking controversy. <laughs> exactly. But Doug Peterson loves him. I yeah, mean, loves him enough to throw him to the wolves. Yeah, he. <laughs> there's a reason why Nate Sudfeld has been around Philadelphia for so long. I mean, it's really, it's really, really quite incredible. Nate Sudfeld's got a Super Bowl ring. I think it's because he looks a lot like Nick Foles. <laughs> right down to being six, six. Oh, I thought yeah. you were going to say right down to, uh, hey. to blow the belt. Hey, oh, wow. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say right down to wearing gloves. So while he's on the field. Well, um, I mean, Peterson gloves. has a type, right? I mean, and the funny thing is Jalen Hurts is not the type, but Carson Wentz is 6'5", Nick Foles was 6'6", six, six, and uh, and Nate Sudfeld was 6'6". Six, six. Doug Peterson likes his quarterbacks tall. Reminds me of someone else. Oh, Vance Joseph would appreciate that. <laughs> Next He's one coming. <laughs> Next one from Hip Hip Uray. Hey guys, I'm sure the stepping up of Elway is going to be the topic of today's pod, but I wanted to put my two cents in. I feel like this move was somewhat of a way for Elway to not be able to take responsibility for the state of the franchise. I know it isn't all on him, and he has certainly played his part in getting the team back to prominence, but as soon as it's going to get somewhat good again, I feel like he's putting his hands up and saying, well, if next season sucks, it's not on me. It's not my job. But then at the same time, he will have a direct influence on the end results. It's like when your boss is expecting you to hit your projected numbers in a budget meeting, but then you, but then behind your back is calling the labor and expects you pers- personally make all the customers happy. I don't want to be too sour on Elway right now because he never because he did deliver us some amazing years during 2010 to 2015 in the Peyton Manning era. However, the timing of all of this is really suspicious. Also, I was pondering this question a while ago. What's the biggest difference in job responsibilities between Joe Ellis and John Elway? Does Joe set the prices of the overpaid Coors Light at the stadium and John overpay the free agents? That is all. Go Broncos and DNVR. You got it right. Yeah, that's a glib way of putting it, but it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now, you know, what's funny about this elevated role for John Elway is literally not one single detail has been shared about how it's a promotion. <laughs> All right. You know, like he said, you know, I, I always wanted this elevated role and I was really excited at the elevated role. And it was like, what, what is elevated about this? It's... He was already the president of football yes. operations. That's that's the thing. I think it's it's really interesting framing it that way. But his title before yesterday was president of football operations slash general manager. Now is just president of football operations. He doesn't have a title today that he didn't have 48 hours ago. 
Maybe the GM title was just weighing him down. So getting rid of this, it shoots him up the ladder. And I don't I mean, think he, yeah, I don't think he's going to be a president of football operations like in Atlanta when Rich McKay kind of got kicked upstairs and Thomas Dimitrov became the GM. What they did with Rich McKay was say, okay, now you're running the whole organization. Oh, by the way, we need a new stadium. This is on you. I don't think John Elway is doing anything in terms of transitioning upward to president the way that McKay did. I will say, here's the one thing that is elevated. He's the boss of one more person. It's the GM. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. And a better bang for his buck on his paycheck. But, yes. but a boss who's not going to be around as often. I mean, it's it, it's very much going to be, uh, uh, the you know, hey, the, te- the teacher's out. And there's no substitute here. But you better hope that substitute they're bringing in is like the one of those long-term subs that, that has a uh, handle on the on – the, uh, on the students or else it could be messy like mr schneebly (laughs) exactly uh from omaha just here to mention that i've lost all respect for von miller and now praying the broncos move on from this clown not a hot take if you have any decency in you all right next one uh is for you mace yep from the count if derrick henry doesn't win the mvp this season what would a non-quarterback have to do to get it should they just rename it the mvq award love the count Yeah, I'm all for Derrick Henry getting this because uh, I remember when Adrian Peterson topped the 2,000-yard mark and took it away from Peyton Manning, uh, and I just thought, well, if that's how it's going to go, I guess guess we know. And so if if that was the case back then, it's got to be the case now. When Derrick Henry tops 2,000, he's the MVP. I think the thing that is different, though, you're talking about the V in valuable – even though I, I think you're, you're right on, Zach. I, I think 2,000 yards for a playoff team should be one of those things where you say, all right, we're checking the box here for Derrick Henry. But the last running back, it was Adrian Peterson back in 2012, basically taking the Vikings on his back and getting them to the playoffs because, as we know, Christian Ponder was a pretty dreadful NFL quarterback who didn't have a future, and he was uh, – he was not the pilot. He was not the plane. Ponder. The flight attendant. No, Ponder's a passenger in the back in coach class. He's not even in first class. <laughs> he's somewhere in the he's somewhere in the back, sitting in a middle seat, waiting for his little cup of cup of soda and a bag of peanuts. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, at least, is a very good quarterback right now. Yeah, that's gonna cost Derrick Henry the MVP. You want to talk about? 2000 Aaron Rodgers at DraftKings Sportsbook right now minus 2000 uh to win NFL MVP that means you have to bet $2000 just to win $100 uh on that bet Derrick Henry plus 5000 that means you bet $100 you win 5000 they're basically saying uh this thing is over signed sealed delivered and derrick henry isn't even second place he's fourth they're saying derrick henry has no shot of winning this award yeah i'm not saying he will i'm saying because of how that award was taken away from peyton manning's hands because just adrian peterson hit 2000 
uh, that the same that the same should apply here for being consistent. I'm just bitter that that it was stolen from Peyton. <laughs> and that that year I was studying abroad in Prague, and my roommate, a good friend of mine, is a Minnesota Minnesota Vikings fan. So we were going back and forth all year, and man, that that killed me. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Derrick Henry being f- um, 50 to one to win it is pretty crazy. After yeah. he just did that. <laughs> yeah. And carried his team to the playoffs because of it. And by the way, he revived Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill has been great, but I don't think Ryan Tannehill is doing that if his running back is like, I don't know, like Jarek McKinnon or something. Yeah, he's not <laughs> doing that. But at the same time, they had Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry was putting up some huge monster games even late in the 2018 season and it wasn't enough with Marcus Mariota so it's a little bit it's you know it's a little bit of the Belichick Brady thing in that yeah you can say maybe one is more responsible than the other but both of them need each other because both have been at their best with by working together I think it's it's a symbiotic relationship these two have the count said, um, should they just rename it the MBQ award? What they should do is give quarterback uh, the MVP award and most valuable position. And then mm-hmm. we don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> oh, right, right. Exactly. Or maybe there's a, you know, maybe the offensive player of the year award instead of maybe it becomes a position where you transition it and say non-quarterback. Maybe. Or just, or it's just an unwritten rule. Yeah, don't don't forget about the time when Derrick Henry didn't have Ryan Tannehill, though. In 2017, against the Kansas City Chiefs, went into Arrowhead and beat him when he went for 156 yards, a touchdown, for seven yards per carry. Oh, he's had some really good games before Tannehill showed up, but the 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 consistent level of dominance that he's had went to another level when Tannehill walked in there. Do you think so. it's worth sprinkling the 50 to one just, just because there might be a bunch of MVP voters who say like guy gets 2000 yards, he gets my vote. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think those I are would. really good odds at least. Yeah. All right. Uh, free Philip Lindsay. I know you guys might do this on the pod anyway, but can you speculate as what's the likelihood of each of the following top two or three possible GMs? Um, Okay, likelihood of Lindsey getting a second-round tender. We didn't talk about him in the first segment. His stock has to be up. I would think so, yeah. I think his stock is up. Simmons gets a contract. That's up. Locke is brought back as a presumptive starter. That's down. Shelby comes back. That's got to be up. Mm, I I don't think it's uh, impacted. Yeah, I think it's neutral. Okay. Uh, Tim Patrick gets a second-round tender. That, that was already a lock in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's neutral because I think it was going to happen regardless. Yeah, I mean, yeah, who, what, what don't you like about receivers that don't drop passes? That would be my question to the GM if he decides to lowball Tim Patrick. Yep. Uh, I know this is probably wild speculation, but I'm curious nonetheless. Thanks for all you guys do. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Thank Year you. as well. LDJ chiming in. This is off. This offseason is looking bright. I've been a big advocate for it's time for Elway to go for the past two after trading for Flacco and sticking with him so long after we were eliminated from playoff contention, putting Drew on IR. Last year, I was so done with Elway. He is incapable of building a successful offense and it's just time. It's time. I'm so exhausted. And Ryan, you're awesome. I want Luke Riddick, a former Raider, creating a team to destroy the Raiders. How awesome, LOL. But I'm fond of Champ Kelly as well. At 
Adam Peters is awesome, but Champ Kelly is number two. Riddick is number one for me. Future is bright. And for the concerns about Drew, I think Albright had the best nugget. He said, talking to NFL GMs, that whoever comes in should keep Drew and Vic together. That way, if they do well, you look like a genius. If if they don't in the next season, you can blow it up and start your own regime, which I'm down for. I'm down for doing whatever to find that quarterback that, and I'm excited to see what the off season will be. Well, I don't yeah. necessarily think if John, if, if, if Drew and Vic work out, I don't necessarily think the GM looks like a genius. I think that's John Elway putting his hand up again. Um, so obviously if, if he blows things up in it, and then finds the right people, then that GM looks like a genius. I will say like everyone around the, you know, everyone on Twitter is saying like Vic Fangio and Drew Locke suck. So if this guy comes in and says like, I believe in these guys, he gets a little bit of credit, but definitely not as much as John Elway. Right. I yeah. don't think this guy's being, he's not being looked at as the one who found uh, either of these guys that that'll nope. be John and rightfully so. Yep. Uh, asking for a friend. The point is often made that GMs want teams that they built, they drafted. No loyalty between GMs. Is this always the case? My friend would hope that they'd want team success and the best for the franchise over their pride. Yeah, I think that's blown out of proportion a little bit. What will happen, uh, and this is an unfortunate thing that's just probably likely, no matter who the GM is, is when the 53-man roster is being constructed, there's going to be more loyalty to his guys than Elway's guys that just you know that's just human nature I think uh that when it comes down to a tiebreaker the guy that you brought in because you saw x y and z in him is going to get the benefit of the doubt over the guy who was already here yeah exactly because that that organization that person likes the other person more so yeah that that makes sense the other thing is I think uh with the GM having the final say authority over those who are in the personnel department uh it's going to be a pretty nervous uh, few weeks and months for everybody in personnel uh, right down to the scouts because whoever the new GM is, even someone who has connections uh, to the Broncos in previous years, probably going to want their own people in a lot of those jobs. And uh, that's just, that's just the way it goes when you have four consecutive losing seasons that include 41 losses in that time. And that could also be something that we see trickle out over the next year as well. Yeah, they, it, some of it, like with scouts, for example, some of them have contracts uh, that expire one year. Some scouts have contracts that expire the next year, and it could be something where they just let contracts expire and then make the changes. So it's something that uh, it, it may be kind of a long-term thing where we hear, you know, maybe after the draft, we hear uh, a couple of changes in the scouting department this year. Maybe we hear a couple of changes next year. Next one from the other Ryan, my boys, what a mega Monday news drop by the Broncos yesterday. John Elway and the Broncos state that a fresh set of eyes are needed in filling the GM position, but pretty much every name rumored to be a candidate has worked for the Broncos in some capacity previously. How important do y'all think that previous ties to the organization are going to be in hiring a new GM? Any idea why Daniel Jeremiah isn't being considered as a candidate? I think that he has a real eye for talent, a great temperament and experience working for the Ravens under Ozzy Newsom. I look forward to the coverage and analysis that you'll be providing through this process. Have a terrific Tuesday, DNV Army. Salute. Thanks for riding with us, with us the other, Ryan. I think that uh, Mike Mayock is hurting the case for both Lou Riddick and Daniel Jeremiah. Um, and I actually, like I said yesterday, I really like the experience that these guys have gotten working outside of a front office. Um, but I just, Mike Mayock, in my opinion, has been a failure in uh, Las Vegas slash Oakland. 
So I just don't know if that, you know, people, and not to mention John Gruden, um, who also has been a failure in Las Vegas, slash Oakland. The TV guys going back to the NFL hasn't worked out great so far. I, I don't necessarily think John's a, John Gruden's a failure yet, but he's not a wild success where people are saying we need to, we need to do this just like Sean McVay was when he was a wild success. Teams were saying we need the next Sean McVay. Well, he's, I mean, he's been paid $40 million for nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you could be concerned about Elway or, or Gruden, pardon me, but Mayock, he's only had two drafts at this point. I, I think we're still TBD on Mayock right now. Maybe. I mean, it's true. A lot of these guys could turn it around, but man, his draft picks are, are looking pretty rough. Sands, Josh Jacobs. I mean, you know, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's also overall pickups as well. I mean, it hasn't been quite as good as you expect, but the Raiders talent level, it's a lot better than it was when he took the job. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's uh, tied to a coach who can't get it done in the end of the season. Yeah, well, that's that's very true. And speaking of not getting it done and sucking at the end of a season, last one coming in from World of Suck, just to sprinkle in a very different subject into the pod today. Melvin Gordon received just under double Philip Lindsay's numbers of touches and produced more than double the yardage. And we already know which back brings more to pass protection. We love Phil. He's an awesome story. Great guy and really good football player. But there's no conversation about who the running back one is. A new GM coming to town actually has me wondering if Phil will be replaced with a running back in the draft. Uh, yeah, I still think the new GM comes in and says, wow, this guy's awesome. You guys have been using him wrong all this time. Um, so you, you think there's a conversation about who the running back one is next year? Um, no, I think Melvin Gordon starts as running back one, but I think that if Philip Lindsay's healthy, he could very well take that crown back. Yeah, I think, I think it's a very clear one, two running back situation next year. Unlike it was coming into this year. Well, Melvin Gordon could be out for a couple of weeks to start the season. And yep. that's why you might have to bring back Philip Lindsay it, just, and not even think about it, knowing that Melvin Gordon could face a three-game suspension and you need a primary back and Phil's proven he can do it. And if Melvin Gordon's out for three games and Philip Lindsay balls out, uh, then that's <laughs> going to be Philip Lindsay's job again. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We shall see. Uh, that – is all we have on the question side of things boys a great podcast thanks to everyone who tuned in on the live and the podcast because if you listen to the podcast side of things of course uh then you're the only ones hearing this so if you caught both we appreciate you guys and of course we appreciate green mountain dental group the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area they are longtime denver sports fans longtime dnvr members and longtime DNVR supporters as well. Like I said earlier, they supported us throughout the entirety of this pandemic. And that really uh, means a lot to us. So it would also mean a lot to us if you check them out, uh, if you needed any dental work done and you're looking for a new dentist. That's Green Mountain Dental Group, where you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. But for that, for us, that wraps it up for today. We, of course, will be back with you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.